All right. Uh, last week we began a series that began to step on my toes, and I don't know if it stepped on any of your toes, but, um, but the greatest of these is. That was the series that we began last Sunday, and it doesn't matter that what we do in life. Uh, if you may recall, I had Sister Louise come up and read part of the, uh, the scripture as I was banging on the symbol behind her. And uh, that's what life is like whenever everything we do is not done clothed in love. But we talked about it's not the human love, it's the love of Jesus Christ. There is a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between the love that just a mere human can give versus the love of Jesus Christ. And those of us who have accepted Christ into our hearts, we are to be living out the same love that we have been given. So we want to continue that. Last week we talked about love is patient, love is kind. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13. We'll read portions of this again. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. We'll just stick with verses 4 through 7. I am coming, uh, as you're turning there, I'm trying to look at uh, the calendar and being led by the Lord. Not, not sure. I could probably stay in this for a couple months. But I believe um, sometime in February we're going to go into what's on your mind. So those topics that you would ask to uh, hear about, we will probably begin that sometime in February. But we'll stay here in Corinthians for a few weeks. First Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. As I said last week, we talked about love is patient, love is kind. Let's move on this morning to the next trait, and that love is not jealous. Supposedly, three individuals this week or recently won the $1.6 billion Powerball jackpot, right? Um, and I believe they're from the states of California and Florida and Tennessee. Um, and that it comes to about $528 million per winning ticket. Quite amazing, isn't it? The chances of winning that is one out of 292 million. One chance out of 292 million. From all of the stories that I have read, and you probably have heard these as well, uh, these families who have won this, their lives will never be the same again. All of a sudden, they will begin to have family coming out of the woodwork and family that they never knew coming out of the woodwork. And all of a sudden, long-lost relatives and friends, and those who are probably jealous of what has happened. It's said that there are two kinds of people in this world, those who are millionaires and those who wish they were millionaires. And in our case this morning, we could say that there are two kinds of jealousies, 
two kinds of jealousies. The first, one who is jealous or one who envies what other people have. Now, this can be a rather difficult thing to avoid because jealousy can be a very human feeling, a human emotion. I myself remember, I may have mentioned this before, I don't know, but I remember growing up that I wanted desperately to sing like certain people in the music industry. Um, Michael English is a name that stands out for me. He sang with the Gaither Vocal Band, and he was someone that I kind of looked up to in his voice and the mannerisms. And as a kid, that was somebody that I kind of wanted to be just like. And I didn't realize it at the time, but as I look back and as I was listening to him, I remember having feelings of uh, almost frustration and angst and wishing that I could have what he had and wishing that I could be recognized as he was recognized. And really, when I look back, I suppose that I was jealous. How many times do we hear of someone getting something or accomplishing something great? We act happy for them, but deep down inside, we wish that we were the ones that had it. Inside, we begrudge them because we don't have what they have. Maybe it's a great job. Maybe someone has come into a lot of money. Maybe it's some great accomplishment. Maybe someone just got a new car. Maybe it's some kind of relationship that someone has entered into and they're really excited about it. And this can be a very hard thing to deal with sometimes, but whenever you want what someone else has. You know, before I really started diving into this passage like this in this chapter, we read this chapter and our first thought is love, love. Oh, we need to be loving and Christ loves us. But you know what? When you start to dig like this, This is practical Christianity here. This is how we become like Jesus Christ. This is not easy stuff here. When you begin to dig and you really make, you really think and now God to speak to you, Lord, man, we're not always like this. That first kind of jealousy is wanting what you don't have. The second kind of jealousy though can sometimes and more than time be worse than the first that we just talked about. What do I mean by that? The second kind of jealousy does not necessarily want things for itself. It just wants to make sure that someone else doesn't have it or get it. They grudge the very fact that others have, regardless of if they have it or if they want it themselves. We can see this around our kids, right, in the nursery. That's going on right now in the nursery, probably. You know, uh, a child has a toy, and another child uh, over here sees that they have that toy, and the other child over here, they may not even want that toy, but what they want, they don't want that child to have that toy. So they're going to come over and they're going to grab it from that person. Not because they want it, but they just don't want that person to enjoy it. They don't want that child to enjoy it. You know what I'm talking about. This is having a meanness of soul and really is a reflection on how one feels about themselves. We begrudge someone who is happy and joyful because we're not happy and joyful ourselves. 
This goes back to what I said last week. If we don't like what we see in the mirror, then jealousy can come very easy because we're not happy with who we are. But let me remind you that you will not get your ultimate fulfillment from money, from things, from toys, from accomplishments. Listen, you will not get your ultimate fulfillment from any one person or any one relationship in this life. There's only one thing that can make all of your dreams come true, and that is finding what we're talking about here, that is finding the love of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can bring true contentment and true happiness. Let me remind you of the story in Matthew 13 where it tells us the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything that he owned and bought it. Folks, this is a reference to finding Jesus. And when you find Jesus, when you find that great treasure, that pearl of great price, you'll find that He is all that you need. Amen. When it says here in this passage that they sold all that they had, what do you think that means? It means that no amount of money, no job, no earthly possession, no toy that we can have, no earthly relationship was worth holding on to in place of having this Jesus. We sometimes sing the song, just give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Why do you, why is it that the people over in the third world countries are on fire for Jesus Christ nowadays? It's because they have nothing, they have Jesus Christ, and they have found that's all that they need in life. We've said it many times that the North American church is in grave danger. I believe Sister Louise said it this morning in her Sunday school class. I'm paraphrasing, but here's the thought. But great prosperity can oftentimes bring disobedience to God. Great prosperity sometimes brings a lethargy, brings a lukewarmness. You want more. You think that's what's going to make you happy. Or you see your neighbor, your friend, or your relative, or somebody have what you don't have, and all of a sudden you begin to want, and you forget the the pearl of great price. Give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Is He enough for you this morning? Find Jesus, the pearl, great price, and jealousy will no longer be a problem in your life. Love is not jealous. Let's go on to the next one. It says, love is not boastful. Love is not boastful. Our world is full of what I call this. You know what that is right there? Yeah. Our world is full of what I call American idolism. People who think they're much better at something than they really are. I used to watch this show years ago. I think this is the last season for it, but I used to watch this show. And it's amazing how many people there are out there that think they can sing. (laughs) But they can't. (laughs) 
Now, it's one, t- it's one thing to think that you can sing, but not really tell anybody about it, okay? But it's another thing altogether when the person who can't sing goes on and on and on in front of millions of people, how good they are. Well, my mom and dad tells me how good that I am. And they rant and rave when they try to convince the judges of just how good they are. Love is not boastful. The love of Jesus Christ is not like this. Listen to this. I read this statement recently. It says, true love will always be far more impressed with its own unworthiness than anything done in its own merit. Let me read that again. True love, the love of Jesus Christ. True love will always be far more impressed with its own unworthiness than anything done on its own merit. Said it before, but no one should bring attention or should try to recognize their own gifts or their own abilities. In ministries, no one should have to confirm or affirm their own calling. Others will do it for you. Same with this point this morning. No one should ever have to promote or boast of their own abilities and achievements. Let others do it for you. Look, people who show the love of Christ cannot get over the wonder that they are loved by the Creator of the world. And if they're going to brag at all, they're going to brag on their Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of Galatians 6.14. The Apostle Paul said, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, My interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. Oh, isn't that interesting? Forgive me, but I just caught something there. Did you catch that last line? Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me. Isn't that interesting? It's also died. What what is that saying? The Apostle Paul was saying... There is nothing whatsoever in me that is good except for Jesus Christ. I'm not going to brag about anything in and of myself. And when we brag, we're trying to impress who? The world. But the Apostle Paul said, I've long given that up. The world even no longer has interest in me. I'm going to brag about my Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, 4 through 9. Apostle Paul said again, though I also might have confidence, or I could brag in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. He's basically bragging here, but he's setting this up. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ 
and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, not bragging about how good of a person I am, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Someone who is living in the love of Christ ought not brag about anything that they have done. Instead, let's brag about our Lord Jesus. I have to tell you a story that took place when our family went out to Oklahoma City last year for the Church of God convention. I believe it was the final night of services. Um, here's a building that I believe was three, four, five thousand people, um, just pretty well packed. The speaker that night was drawing a lot of attention, but right, right before the speaker got up, um, they had... Um, Two people get up to sing, and I'm not going to tell you who it was. It's not important. But um, as they were singing, they were tremendous. They were incredible singers, and the songs they were singing just um, standing ovation had the people on their feet. It was it was quite quite the moment. But whenever uh, um, whenever they were done and people sat down. And, and I don't know that it intended to, to be like this, but to be honest with you, it almost just kind of felt like a performance. Know what I mean? Um, and the speaker got up, and the speaker was Francis Chan. He's the one that many of the people wanted to hear that night, but we're thinking, what on earth is he going to say after this event that just took place? And he got up and he said, wow, how do I follow that? And then what he proceeded to do, he got on his hands and his knees in front of 5,000 people, and he just began to pray before his God. And he, in his prayer, he began to praise God. He began to tell God of his unworthiness. And by the time he was done with his prayer, the entire focus had come back to Jesus Christ. I thought, wow. Love is not boastful. Love is going to boast in Jesus Christ. At the end of his message, he just walked off the stage. Didn't stick around to talk to people. He wanted to know because he knows. He knows that he's drawing crowds all around the world. He understands that. But he has incorporated the traits of what we're talking about into his heart. And he didn't want any of the focus to be on him. Love is not boastful. Which leads into love is not proud. Love is not proud. Some of your translations may say that love is not puffed up. Really, this kind of goes hand in hand with what we just talked about. Love is, love is not boastful. But I think it also seems to be describing someone who, who just has an air about them. Uh, we probably have all met people like that. And, and notice how the word... Uh, air and puffed up go together. This person that it's describing may not come right out with bold, braggadocious statements, but it's someone who 
puffs themselves up with an air of arrogance, an air of superiority, an air of power, an air of authority. I know of some people that might not so much brag about themselves, but they'll go on and on and on about their kids, about their children to other people. And um, it's almost as if they're living their life through their kids. They'll brag to everybody about them, always talking about what their kids have done or what they're doing or what they've accomplished. And they've gone on and on and on. And really what they're doing is they're bragging about themselves because their children are just an extension of themselves. I'm not saying that we can't be proud of our kids. That's not what I'm saying. But what kind of air are we putting off to the people around us? Mm. Napoleon, great warrior, great conqueror. He was known for always advocating the sanctity of the home. I found this interesting. He was always known for advocating the sanctity of the home and the obligation to public worship, but not for himself. He made this statement. He said, quote, I am not a man like other men. The laws of morality do not apply to me. This is what this verse is talking about. Uh, there was an air of pride about him. Contrast that to a man, some of you have heard, William Carey. William Carey, one of the greatest missionaries and linguists that the world has ever known. He has translated parts of of the Bible into no fewer than 34 Indian languages. Amazing. He began his life mending shoes as a cobbler in the 18th century, in the late 18th century, a job at the time that was more of a subservient kind of a job, of a role, but just a brilliant mind. He ended up going to India as a missionary, and he ended up going to a, a, a dinner party, and some there was an elitist there who had the idea of humiliating William Carey in front of everyone. It must have been his Christianity. It just brought out the worst in him. And in front of everyone, he said this to Mr. Carey. He said, I suppose, Mr. Carey, that you even once worked as a shoemaker. No, your lordship, Carey answered, not a shoemaker. Only a cobbler. Carrie didn't even make the claim of making shoes, only mending them. Hmm. Aren't you just, don't you just gravitate towards those who are humble? Those people, uh, you know, you think of some of those individuals in the sports world, and there are those who are arrogant and egotistical and proud and they just seem to just, uh, they get a lot of the attention because that's what the media, they, they get all the buzz. But the people who are just humble and proud, those are the ones really that people want to be around. I believe that really what we're talking about, church, is a lot of the qualities that Jesus himself had. I recently read that the only thing, listen to this, the only thing that you and I have to contribute to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. Think about that. The only thing that you and I have contributed to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. 
And if there is one trait that should characterize all true followers of Jesus Christ, it's the trait of humility. Boy, I found a verse. You've heard this verse before. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Boy, does this really put it like it is. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus, the bodily form of God here on earth, lowered himself, humbled himself to the level of a bondservant, lived among us, died as a common criminal for you and me, you cannot get much more humble than that. And did you catch the first part of that verse? Look at what verse 5 said. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We are to be of the same mind. We are to act as Jesus acts. Did I say it's easy? No. It's not easy. To always humble yourself. Humble yourself. For some, I think that probably comes easier than others. It might be a dispositional personality trait. I don't know what it is. It might be how you were raised. It might be you were raised to have your dukes up and just ready to fight for everything that you need. I don't know. But to be a Christ follower, we are to be identified as those who are humble and not proud. If there is ever going to be an air of anything that is puffed up within us, it should be the air of humility. Love is not boastful and love is not proud. Let me give you one more before we close. Love is not rude. Get ready to say amen or ouch here. Uh, Love is not rude. Oh, amen. The more I looked at this, I told Steph, I said, man, this is, I I just kind of want to stop. I'm kind of done. And if you continue to read 4 through 7, I don't know, it's still going to be impactful. We've all heard of random acts of kindness, but do you know that every day people are participating in random acts of rudeness? true, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Someone cuts, cuts in front of you whenever you go to order your food, food at Wendy's. Or as you go to a restaurant, it might happen today, the waiter or the waitress, they're just, they're just annoyed, just annoyed that you're even there, perhaps. And they're very rude. And we're tempted to say, see if they get a tip today, right? That's what we do. Yeah. But let's face it, church. Sometimes we can all be rude. Amen? Say amen or ouch. Maybe we're having a bad day. Maybe we're in a rush. Maybe we're not feeling well or we did not get enough sleep. We're tired and before we know it, we too are involved in random acts of rudeness. See, this is practical Christianity right found this interesting. Some of your translations may say that love does not behave gracelessly. Gracelessly. 
What does this mean? It means someone or something that does not have grace. Grace is, and as we talked about several weeks ago, and I will never forget this, grace is having a divine influence. Grace means being influenced by the divine. And for our purposes today, it means living, listen, it means living as though Jesus is influencing every aspect of who we are. He is behind the wheel. He's driving. He's behind the wheel of our life. We can look at it this way. All of us are living with a DUI. Right? All of us are living with a DUI. What do I mean? We are all driving under some kind of influence this morning. Something or someone is driving us, is influencing us. We should all be living with this tag, driving under the influence of Jesus Christ. Should we not? We say yes, we say amen to that. But listen, if we're living without God's divine influence, if we're not living under the D-U-I-J-C, if we're not living with God's divine influence, then that means something else is influencing us. And it's probably we are influencing us or the world is influencing us. And either way, that is not a good thing. Now, you may like me after this, you may not like me after this. Let's bring life into inside the walls of the church. It is possible. I was going to ask it, but I'm just going to state it because if you've been in the church long enough, you know sometimes it happens. It is possible for us to be rude or even act less than gracious with each other. (laughs) That's right, true. Last week I said that this was hitting on life right where we live. The Apostle Paul just hit on another one here. I wonder how many times in churches around the world do people go home or do they go to a restaurant and they're confused and they're discouraged because so-and-so didn't talk to them. So-and-so didn't even look their way. So-and-so was just plain rude to them. Say amen or ouch. Church, deliberately not speaking or deliberately not acknowledging others can be a random act of rudeness. Now, I know there are times I'm not saying that we have to go talk to every single person, and I understand that sometimes we go by someone and not even realizing that we pass them without saying good. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. But we need to stop and ask ourselves. Better yet, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us if we have ever or if we are currently acting in any way that is rude. Remember, you are driving under some kind of influence even as we speak. How interesting is it is the words grace and charm And the Greek scriptures are the same thing. 
We are to be living under divine influence. We are to be living with grace. We are to have a charm about ourselves. Can it be said that our actions are charming? Are they gentle? Are they kind to all? Or are we only taking this to those that we're comfortable with? Some people and even people in the church perceive strength as the ability to boldly speak the truth. Sometimes we just like to speak the truth and just say, hey, you know what? Uh, they need to hear the truth and I'm just going to say it. But a lot of times what comes out is a blunt, brutal form of communication. And let me say this, that there indeed may be strength in that, but there is no grace. Grace needs to blanket everything that we do, church. Did I say it's easy? No, because we're human, living in the flesh. That's why the Apostle Paul, I said it last week, I'll say it this morning, that's why the Apostle Paul said, I die, say it for me, daily. I die daily. Sometimes we may go to church or sometimes go to work or family reunions or whatever it might be. And there's going to be an individual to where you're going to go, oh, love is not rude. And we have to die to ourself. Say love through me. Jesus just loved through me. It doesn't matter about me. It doesn't matter what they say or what they do. I'm going to love them. Love them with the love of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.15 Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. I'm so glad that God meets us where we are at. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oftentimes our countenances will display what we're feeling. Ask you to check your countenances. You know, that you may not, um, you know, how is your disposition on your face? Do people know? Or do people assume there's something wrong just by the way your countenance is? Christian professor J.B. Lightfoot had a student who was known for being rude in the classroom. And of him, the professor said this, Let him go where he will. His face will be a sermon in itself. His face will be a sermon in itself. Listen, I'm through this morning. I thought about, I don't have some dramatic Indian illustration. I don't have some incredible story. But then I thought, it's the Word of God. I don't need a dramatic story. To have the love of Christ means that our demeanors, our countenances, our personalities, how we talk, how we act with others should be laced with the grace of God, should be courteous, should have tact, should have politeness. Love is not rude. (laughs) Let me say this. Moms and dads, love is not rude to our kids either. 
sometimes we get the mentality, I don't know why this wasn't in my notes, I don't know why this is on my heart. Sometimes we get the mentality, well, they're our child and they had better obey us. And when they don't, or when there's conflict, we can react in a way that is just plain rude. Truth needs to be spoken. Sometimes discipline needs to come forth, but may it be done clothed in grace and love. And I guarantee you, your child will be raised watching you driving under the influence of Jesus Christ. And you will influence their life. Love is patient. Love is kind. To have a love that is not jealous,